Hello and welcome to Hard Money. I'm Natalie Brunel. Bitcoin's price action this week remains choppy, hovering around the low $20,000 range after a major slip over the weekend. For the first time in Bitcoin's history, its price dropped below the previous cycle high, falling to the mid-17,000s. Bitcoin's dollar price has now fallen for seven straight months. And this has many Bitcoin bears and media outlets once again declaring Bitcoin is dead. In fact, Google searches asking if Bitcoin is dead hit an all-time high on June 18th. Perhaps the most famous Bitcoin bear, Peter Schiff, recently tweeted this. Long-term Bitcoin holders aren't worried as they've been through 73% declines before, but previous declines didn't involve anywhere near the total market cap loss during this decline, nor did they involve massive leverage. This crash is just beginning. Bitcoin will not recover. And timing really couldn't be better for bears. On Tuesday, investment product provider ProShares launched the first short Bitcoin futures ETF, allowing investors to bet against the price of BTC. It's essentially designed to give investors a way to profit from Bitcoin's price declining. The company says it will allow investors to hedge their Bitcoin exposure, and it will trade under the ticker symbol BITI. Many Bitcoiners shared concerns about this launch, especially since a spot ETF still has yet to be approved, and critics say the move will add to Bitcoin's volatility and raise the fact that BITI will own and hold no Bitcoin. But as Schiff alluded to, long-term holders are not concerned. According to the website 99Bitcoins, since its inception, Bitcoin has been declared dead at least 450 times. Yet the number of Bitcoin addresses holding at least one Bitcoin has hit an all-time high recently. And many Bitcoin bulls are urging patience and having longer time horizons. The president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele, posted this. If you invested in BTC, your investment is safe and its value will immensely grow after the bear market. Patience is the key. And Bitcoin bull Michael Saylor says this is an ideal entry point to buy Bitcoin. Speaking on CNBC, here was his take on the price action. The simple moving average of Bitcoin over four years is about $21,685. Bitcoin's only touched that uh, that point a couple of times in its history. And those have always been great buying opportunities. Right. This yeah, is all right. Bitcoin's well, that, on sale. We're touching that. We're, yeah, we're touching that price right now. It's funny you should mention it. So, is it a great buying opportunity? Absolutely. <laughs> Bitcoin's backed by the most powerful secure computer network in the world. If I gave you a hundred billion dollars, you can't reproduce it, and it's beyond a nation-state attack or corporate attack. So, once you understand that and the fact that it's a singularity, there is nothing like it in the world then, yeah, this is an ideal entry point to get into this thing. In that same interview, Saylor also addressed concerns about MicroStrategy possibly being margin called since it used loans to purchase a lot of its Bitcoin. Saylor dismissed those concerns and said the company could withstand a price drop under $5,000 a coin. And it seems the general public is siding with the bulls right now. According to a survey from Bank of America, 91% of people surveyed said they plan to purchase some type of cryptocurrency within the next six months. And 30% said they have no intention of selling their digital assets. But B of A itself, not so bullish. CEO Brian Moynihan said the company has no interest in adopting Bitcoin, instead saying he wants the company to focus on what they currently do well within the banking sector. Also of note, it wasn't just Bitcoin's price suffering heavy volatility. Stocks had their worst week in more than two years over worries of record inflation and fears of a recession. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell says a lot of changes are happening in the global monetary system and that the Fed is examining a U.S. central bank digital currency. Looking forward, rapid changes are taking place in the global monetary system that may affect the international role of the dollar in the future. 
most major economies already have or are in the process of developing instant 24-7 payments. Our own FedNow service will be coming online in 2023. And in light of the tremendous growth in crypto assets and stablecoins, we are examining whether a U.S. central bank digital currency would improve upon what is an already safe and efficient domestic payment system. Our, as our white paper on this topic notes, a U.S. CBDC could also potentially help maintain the dollar's international standing. Powell also said that the Fed is acutely focused on bringing down inflation from its current 8.6% to its target goal of 2%. In just a couple of minutes, in our macro update, we'll hear from financial advisor Andy Edstrom about Powell's comments and what the Fed could do in July's meetings to slow down inflation. Meanwhile, SEC Chairman Gary Gensler is speaking out about the recent events involving Celsius, the embattled crypto lender that offered huge yields to customers, in some cases 18% for holding their Bitcoin and other tokens. Last week, Celsius halted all withdrawals due to a liquidity issue, and withdrawals are still frozen more than a week later. The SEC and four states, Alabama, Kentucky, New Jersey, and Texas, are all investigating Celsius. Gensler said if something is too good to be true, it probably is. And in response to the investigation, Celsius hired Citigroup as an advisor and hired a top law firm that specializes in financial restructuring. Crypto lending platform BlockFi has secured a $250 million revolving line of credit from crypto exchange FTX. BlockFi made the announcement Tuesday, saying it will help bolster its balance sheet and strengthen the platform. BlockFi recently cut 20% of its workforce. For FTX, this is the second bailout to a crypto platform. Last week, FTX gave a $485 million loan to Voyager Digital. And finally, more legislation aimed at Bitcoin mining. A group of 14 U.S. senators and House representatives have signed a letter to the EPA touting the benefits of crypto mining. They want the agency to study the potential impact of the industry, and the group claims it could have a, quote, substantial stabilizing effect on energy grids and renewable energy sources. The Republican-backed letter is actually a stark contrast to the Democratic-backed letter sent to the EPA in April, claiming mining was contributing to greenhouse gas emissions and not operating within the Clean Air Act. Proof-of-work mining has been a hot-button political issue as of late, with states like New York looking to impose restrictions on it for supposed environmental reasons, while states like Texas are embracing proof-of-work mining for both the economic boon it brings as well as its ability to make energy grids more efficient. We will go more in-depth on this topic in our mining story coming up in the show. Those are the latest Bitcoin headlines. Ahead, we talk to Vijay Boyapati about the bearish case for Bitcoin. Stay tuned. Back over 200 exahashes? Honey Badger DGAF, am I right? Oh honey, you right. Honey Badger don't give a fuck. Oh, hey Nancy. Hi. Nancy, hmm? what do you think about El Salvador's Bitcoin move? So bullish. Bitcoin's bundles got me stacking baby saps with the swan tap. Tap, tap, tap root. Getting caught up on Bitcoin might seem daunting, but with the Bitcoin Canon from Swan, there's nothing to worry about. The Bitcoin Canon is a curated collection of Bitcoin rabbit holes. Each one is actually created by one of the top minds in Bitcoin. You can learn about Bitcoin and energy from Lynn Alden, or Bitcoin and gaming from Desiree Dickerson. And you can even check out my rabbit hole too, along with many others. Visit swan.com slash canon and find out why Bitcoin is so revolutionary. And whether you're new to Bitcoin or you just want to brush up on your knowledge, check out the Bitcoin canon and fall down a rabbit hole today. Oh, hey, Nancy. What's up, Lips? 
then stuck in mad sacks with swans straight into my specter wallet. Now your key is not your cheese, am I right? Stay humble. Welcome back. Joining me now is author of the popular Bitcoin book, The Bullish Case for Bitcoin, BJ Boyapati. BJ, so nice to see you. Great to see you too, Natalie. You know what? A lot of people are feeling bearish about Bitcoin. What about you? Are you feeling bullish or bearish in the market conditions we have right now? I think it's pretty clear that we are in a bear market right now. Uh, for, for those of us who have been around uh, Bitcoin, for I've been you know, looking at Bitcoin and observing it for over a decade. This is clearly a bear market. Um, and I think there are some things that are unique about this bear market that are different to the past. For instance, the Federal Reserve is uh, increasing interest rates. That hasn't really happened in a big way in the last decade. They've been very easy with their monetary policy. Um, so that's something that's quite different. Uh, and the market's also much, much bigger. Uh, so it's matured a lot. And um, there are different risks at play now today than they were in, say, 2012 and 2017. Yeah, well, you talked about some of those risks in your book, the risk of rehypothecation and of Federal Reserve policy. Can you talk about either or both of those for the audience? Yeah, so rehypothecation is the idea that you post collateral to a financial institution like BlockFi. And then they lend out the collateral that you post. Uh, and the benefit to you, if you uh, give your Bitcoin to BlockFi, is you get interest. And then BlockFi lends it out for a higher interest rate and it collects the difference. The real problem to the financial system occurs when the lending is irresponsible. And what we've seen in the last um, year or so is that uh, there's been a lot of irresponsible lending in the, the crypto financial system. And, and so you, you've seen the collapse of uh, the Terra Luna ecosystem recently. You've also seen the collapse in the last week of Three Arrows Capital, which is a, a really large hedge fund managing $18 billion of capital. And what happens is the, the financial institutions that, that have lent out Bitcoin to cover their own losses, they will start selling the collateral asset and the collateral asset is Bitcoin. And so what's happened is you've had this cascade of selling where institutions collapse and then uh, the lenders will sell Bitcoin to cover their losses. That will drive the price of Bitcoin and other altcoins down. And then you get more collapses in other institutions who have been betting on altcoins, for instance, or betting on something like Terra Luna. And it sort of feeds on itself and it becomes this feeding frenzy and you get this mass liquidation event, which is what we saw last week. We saw a massive liquidation event where a bunch of institutions failed in quick succession and the lenders covering themselves sold Bitcoin to cover the losses. And that drove Bitcoin down very, very quickly uh, into the teens. Um, so rehypothecation is a risk when Bitcoin is lent out irresponsibly. That's, that's one of the big risks. It was the same thing that happened in the financial crisis with the housing market, where people lent out mortgage debt and then um, lent it out over and over again. And it created this contagion in the financial system. We're seeing the equivalent in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And driving all of this actually is the Federal Reserve, which is the other risk I wanted to talk about. This is the first bear market where the Federal Reserve is really aggressively increasing interest rates. 
And in my book, I talk about how Federal Reserve policy is actually a risk to Bitcoin because Bitcoin has now achieved macro scale. It's a macro asset, a global macro asset, uh, kind of in the same family as gold. And we know that gold can be affected by Federal Reserve policy because when the Federal Reserve increases interest rates, it means you get interest on your money in the bank. And that creates a disincentive to own something like gold, which has no natural interest. Um, so this is actually uh, unprecedented for Bitcoin. We've never seen this. And I actually think it makes sense that Bitcoin would fall in an environment like this, because it's the same thing that happened to gold in the 80s when Paul Volcker increased interest rates to 20%. So we should expect that Bitcoin, just like gold being a monetary asset, will be affected by Federal Reserve policy. Well, last question. You mentioned Volcker. Last time we didn't have this much debt in the system, and the Fed seems very intent on maintaining that idea of tightening, tapering. What do you think is going to happen? Is something going to break in the system, and then we're going to see Bitcoin drop even lower, but then bounce from a true bottom? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. We, the fiscal constraints are much greater today than they were in 1980. The debt position of the US is over 100% of GDP. Back when Volcker was the Federal Reserve chairman, it was 40%. So that actually, it's hard for the Federal Reserve to increase too much because then it makes it so the federal government can't service their debt anymore. It would become too expensive to service the debt. But they can increase interest rates significantly for a short period of time. And I think it's worth considering that as something that may happen. If you're a Bitcoin investor, it's certainly possible. But I do believe, just as you said, the Federal Reserve eventually will have to change course. And that's when Bitcoin will, will rocket up uh, because Bitcoin and, uh, and gold as well thrive in uh, negative interest rate environments. And we, we will see those again in the future because the Federal Reserve's habit is to have easy money. This is actually an anomaly, what we are seeing right now. That's right. Such great points you raised. I know a lot of people are looking for that melt-up rally. VJ, thank you so much. And congratulations on extending your family. Thank you, Natalie. Appreciate it. back with Bitcoin mining top of mind for both lawmakers and the general public. We wanted to take you right to the source and show you what Bitcoin mining is really all about. Take a look. This is the sound of energy being transformed into economic value. This operation is owned by Riot Blockchain, one of the largest US-based publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies in North America. Riot is a leader both in terms of hash rate and we are a leader in the amount of infrastructure we've developed. 
CEO Jason Les says the explosion of mining activity is having a major impact on the growing Bitcoin economy, as well as one rural Texas community. Our facility called Windstone in Rockdale, Texas, was formerly an Alcoa aluminum smelting plant and a generation facility. When those went out of business 15 years ago, that was pretty devastating to that community. Windstone came in and said, we are gonna build here because of the opportunity in the grid right here, and we are going to employ a lot of people, and that's exactly what they've done. Many residents are happy about the jobs, but many are also still asking, what is Bitcoin mining exactly? So Bitcoin mining is the consensus system whereby everyone who uses Bitcoin all over the world has a mechanism to agree on the valid state of the blockchain without having to trust each other. That's the underlying principle in Bitcoin, trustless finance. The fact is Bitcoin has a very positive contribution to society and that is a story that needs to be told. And that story is the future of hard money and the breakthrough technology that makes it possible in a digital form. You know, people use the term proof of work, uh, kind of describes Bitcoin's consensus system. Work was done to put that block forward and therefore users know that the incentive system at Bitcoin mining is at play. Proof of work is the innovation which ties Bitcoin, a digital commodity, to the physical world of energy. That energy drives the properties that make Bitcoin valuable, much like many other advancements we've seen. So in other words, all these computers are turning electricity into money. Once you realize that Bitcoin is digital property, or digital money, or digital energy, then it becomes clear that everything else you could possibly own is inferior to that. While critics claim the use of energy is excessive, Bitcoin mining in reality accounts for a tiny portion of global energy consumption. There was an article put out in 2017 predicting that Bitcoin mining would consume all of the world's energy by 2020. Yes, I saw that. Okay, well, I guess they're a little off. We only use one-tenth of a percent of the world's energy, and we've created an open, free, trustless financial system for the entire world. It's pretty good value. Many would argue it's a pretty good value compared with lots of other common uses of electricity. Social media uses energy, video games uses energy, Christmas tree lights uses energy. No one looks at the energy consumption of those things. But another big benefit the mining industry provides is its potential to strengthen power grids, which have caught the attention of federal lawmakers like Senator Ted Cruz. So one way to think about Bitcoin and crypto mining is it's like a battery. It's a way of producing excess electricity that can be diverted back into the grid to meet critical needs in a time of emergency so it can enhance resiliency of the grid. From an environmental perspective, the case for Bitcoin is getting more and more compelling. Bitcoin miners, at the latest report, use an estimated 58% renewable energy. That's more than any other nation. That's more than any other major industry. Wow. So what do you think is the biggest misconception in the public about mining? Is it the energy use or is there something else that people just have a difficult time understanding and grasping? I, I, yeah, I think it, it really is the energy use. I think the epiphany comes when you realize that it is the dominant digital property network and digital property is better than physical property in every way conceivable. I want immortal, indestructible, infinite, all-powerful, programmable energy. Our quality of life, our life expectancy has all improved over the last century as a result of consuming more energy. It's something people should not forget.
We hope you enjoyed that story. And now we go to Andy Edstrom, CFA and the author of Why Buy Bitcoin for your weekly macro update. Andy? Hi, Natalie. Well, there's no sugarcoating the markets over the last few weeks. It's been ugly. Things heated up on Wednesday, June 15th, when the Federal Reserve raised the federal funds rate by 75 basis points to 1.5%. This is the single largest rate increase since 1994. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell also hinted at an additional 50 to 75 basis point rate hike at the next FOMC meeting, which happens in July. Fed officials expect the benchmark rate to be at least 3% by year end and are currently expecting interest rates to not be cut until 2024. These same officials also revised their 2022 economic growth estimates downward. The Fed is targeting 2% consumer price inflation and a strong labor market. Based on their comments, they don't believe we will face a recession, but rather a softish landing, to use Chairman Jay Powell's terminology. The stock market has continued to sell off sharply amid this environment of tightening financial conditions and high consumer price inflation. Over just the last two weeks, the S&P and the Nasdaq are both down double-digit percentage rates. Treasury bond yields continue to move higher. The 10-year Treasury, for example, is at its highest level since October 2018. The U.S. yield curve is currently quite flat and slightly inverted between the five-year and the 10-year maturities, with the five-year Treasury at about 3.34% and the 10-year Treasury at 3.23%. Yield curve inversions often signal stress in financial markets as well as the potential for an economic recession. Despite the Fed commentary, signs of a recession seem to be emerging in multiple places. The Atlanta Fed revised its Q2 GDP Now real GDP estimate downward to zero from 0.9%. This suggests that the U.S. is on the brink of an official recession defined as two quarters consecutively of GDP contraction. The slowdown in economic growth in 2022 is finally starting to show up in consumer spending data as well. For the first time this year, nominal retail sales declined, coming in at negative 0.3% for the month of May. It appears that consumers' struggle with inflation is beginning to show up in the data. Signs of reduced consumer appetite are also starting to hit the real estate sector. Existing home sales have dropped for three consecutive months since January. This could be a reaction to rapidly rising mortgage rates and the U.S. housing market being at its most expensive level ever. According to the Case-Shiller National Home Price Index, average home prices are at an all-time high and are currently up 20.5% year-on-year. The average 30-year mortgage rate recently spiked above 6%, the highest level since the global financial crisis in 2008. So the sky-high prices and high mortgage rates may make this housing market unaffordable for many. The average mortgage payment as a percentage of median household income now sits at the highest reading in 22 years. Suffice to say, it's looking like tough times both in financial markets and the overall economy. Thank you so much for that update, Andy, and thank you so much for watching this week's edition of Hard Money. Our goal is to give you the latest headlines impacting Bitcoin and the global economy while bringing you original interviews straight from the biggest names in the space. I'm Natalie Brunel, and I'll see you next week.